place And she said We are all just prisoners here Of our own device And in the master's chambers They gathered for the feast They stab it with their stealing eyes But they just can't kill the beast Hello, welcome to the Quarter to Three Movie Podcast for Bad Times at the El Royale. My name is Tom Chick, and I'm here with Christian Marlowski. It's Daddy Dingus. Easy to remember, alliteration and such. And with a Bad Times at the El Royale tagline, Kelly Wand. Bro, I've had sisters same night. That's just how they are. Are you going to keep them down on the farm? No, they've seen Paris, Tom. What? <laughs> was that that was a tagline? Yeah. <laughs> that was the first one. Uh, okay. Here's another one. Maybe it'll you'll approve of more. Um finally Jeff Bridges plays someone who talks old. <laughs> That's mean. Uh, I said it wrong. I fucked it up. Finally oh. Jeff Bridges plays someone who talks old. <laughs> <laughs> <See>? <laughs> That's how bad an actor I am. I, I forgot to capitalize old. Otherwise, right. I won't know to say it right. Uh, is there a third tagline? I only got one left, Tom. All right. Really, as you can see, I was having issues with it. Let her rip. Sign, it, sign of things to come. Uh, Califiorantino Sweet. Wow. <laughs> why, why are you bringing up why Fiorentino? Because four rooms and Tarantino, oh, Tarantino. Wow. and California yeah. Suite and right, right. Bill Cosby totally and drugs. My over-under yeah. will reflect that. I agree with you. Uh, I'm just uh, – it's pearls before swine. No offense. I hope I hope you don't mind being called swine. <laughs> uh, okay. All right. Just, without spoiling anything, tell us briefly about this movie. And, and what rating is it, by the way? Yes. That's right. really important. Like how many people have you killed? It's a really important question. <laughs> <clears throat> 123, Kelly. Uh, all right, so this week we saw Bad Times at the El Royale, a 2018 American neo-noir murder thriller movie about a cabin in the desert. It was directed and written by Drew Goddard. It stars Jeff Bridges, Cynthia Erivo, Dakota Johnson, John Hamm, Kaylee Spaney, Lewis Pullman, and Chris Hemsworth. Spoiler! Oh, sorry. Uh, Bad Times at the El Royale is rated R for for strong violence. No. Language. Some drug content. And eating something. Nudity. Okay, so everything you can everything you can do without whatever. <laughs> oh, is there anything missing there, Kelly Wan, that should be on that list? I would uh, rate this movie double G zero, but no unborn allowed without parent or guardian. <laughs> also, want to change the, my uh, catchphrase to "cabin in the desert." That's good. Okay, well, we'll go back and edit that in. All right. Yeah, I take from my betters when I need to. <laughs> Bad Times at the El Royale opened at number seven. Ouch. Oh, uh, it only made seven million dollars, but I don't. I don't think oh, that's really surprising. Coincidence? Uh, well, it's at seventy-one percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Kelly Wand, are you that's seeing a signs. pattern? I don't know. That's Bad Times. There's a roulette wheel in it. 
I am seeing a little bit of Coyote. uh, The various ratings are at 60 as an average, so there go the sevens, Kelly Wand. I'm sorry. Uh, Oh, if you round up. (laughs) On CinemaScore, yeah, if you round up 60, it stays 60. (laughs) Not if you're rounding up by one. I mean, Ted. Wow. I I love it when we get into the math debate over something stupid. Uh, speaking like of stupid, people who were polled for CinemaScore gave it a B minus, which is not good at all. That is speaking of stupid. Or bad times at the El Royale did not go over well, uh, actually with, with critics or with the public, apparently. Uh, Kelly Wand, it's a convoluted story. There's a lot of narrative shenanigans going on. I'm wondering if you can untangle these by giving us a synopsis of Bad Times at the El Royale. I did my best. Are you gonna? Should I drive it like I stole it? Uh, Kelly Wand, yes, drive it like you stole it. And uh, Kelly Wand, what would you call such a thing? Oh, Bad Times at the Olpriopsis. <laughs> Are very good also, players. if you're driving it like you stole it, it means you're driving like slow so you don't get put, uh, pulled over. No, you don't know what joyriding is. <laughs> Go back and relive being a. That's a different word. Hey, just saying. The joyride movie with Paul Walker and Lily Sabisky. Nobody steals a car. It's a it's a pun to joke. The title. There's no joyriding in that movie. Right. You have to go to see Star Trek to see a joyride. <laughs> that was the original uh, colon for Star Trek Four. So they had a different ship, so it was kind of relaxing. Okay. <clears throat> Tom, what were you saying? Bad times at the Ulp Royopsis. Tom, I'm like curious. Yes. Wait, sorry. <laughs> Bad times at the Ulp Royopsis. While a grandpa song from the, thir- from the 30s plays, a guy in a hat comes into a hotel room, pulls up the carpet, fries up the floorboards, and buries a duffel bag, then pulls up the rug back over it. Beside me, the Asian woman who thought Fargo was a documentary writes on her hand, Calavada something royal, and runs out excitedly. <laughs> That's mean. What? Why do you do that to poor Rinko Kikuchi? Maybe she's right this time. <laughs> on, her way, on her way to the airport, Venom possesses her. <laughs> <laughs> she's walking. So, yeah, back in the movie, the 1930s song is still going. Someone knocks on the guy's hotel room door. Anxiously, the guy looks to the people, then sees with relief, it's just some guy there to shoot him in the back. (laughs) I lean over to Tim Roth in his bellhop uniform from four rooms stuck in the window beside me and go, so I take it he buried the money uh, before the hotel put the one-way glass in, huh? He says something tonally inconsistent. A title card's all lame times at the El Royopsis. <laughs> Chapter one, extra towels. <laughs> a nice black lady gets out of her 50s car, looks at the movie logo marquee <laughs> above the hotel entrance and goes, mm, whoa, whoa, yeah. <laughs> Jeff Bridges walks up. I'm a fake priest in this just like Mark. Ah! That concierge character reminds me of Bo. <laughs> Hello, Father. My character's name in this is Darlene. Looks like you're on the California side of this red line, and I'm on the Nevada one. How's the weather over on your side of the red line? Ah, what's weather? <laughs> uh, looks like it's going to rain on my, my side. 
Beside me, Tom and Dingus start prattling excitedly about what kind of weather permits the filmmakers needed to shoot on state borders, whether they needed two sets for California and Nevada. Oh, podcasts. Title cards all. Chapter two, lost the slip that had the Wi-Fi password. Bridges and his reluctant new black friend stand in the lobby. It's, see, it's me going to the hotel in the chapter cards. That's the conceit. Bridges and his reluctant new black friend stand in a lobby staring at stuff while John Hamm rings a bell on the front desk a bunch of times, then vaults the counter and pours whiskey from a decanter. John Hamm's all, hey, y'all, blibble flobble bubble bubble jubble 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 to play grits. By the way, I sell vacuums. He winks at Darlene and goes, Bet you have friends who need vacuums. Mm. He smirks. I laugh at the audacity of this risque sex joke in what I'm pretty sure is a PG-13 movie. But when all the Germans sitting near me wince uncomfortably, I realize that Ab's character is trying to make a sale to Darlene by letting her know he's racist. So thank you, German audience members, for correcting my laughter. I don't know racism. I assume everything's a sex joke. Vacuum? Come on. I, I assume That's everything's racist. a sex joke. That's a mind. <laughs> John Hamm walks around the room for a bit, soliloquizing. But since this is only his first scene, I don't pay much attention. <laughs> I don't get paid to do these. Prejudice is all, ha! I was a priest in Kong, too! Mary <laughs> Jessica to him! Mary Jessica to Kong ha! Someone killed her husband Planes I think The Empire State ha! Frank Whaley walks up In a bellhop costume And goes Sorry I was off skirt Oh father Oh, uh, Sorry No priests welcome here I'll take room four Five, line! Pam <laughs> smirks and goes, Allow me, folks. Jibble, 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 jibble. <laughs> he puts a quarter on the front desk. There's a close-up of it. Bridges picks it up, squits, and goes, I told him to put my face on dimes, goddammit! Ha! <laughs> He's like an old, uh, racks. Pam's all, It didn't put your face in the honeymoon, sweet. Frank Whaley slides a key to Darlene and goes, You're in room four. I'm in room four, next to Bridges? Because you're a fan, all right? Ha! All the cheap plays. Whaley gestures at the cafeteria and goes, Del Royale, which in Spanish or French means that something with cheese was built in 1561, shortly after the Fourth Battle of Kawanakajima. Where the shapes of California and Nevada were finally agreed upon. The girl from Fifty Shades comes in wearing hippie jeans from the early 70s and goes, I'd like a room with a trunk in it to keep my tied-up sister in and also a chair and some rope to tie her up with and something to wipe this human blood off my shotgun. I mean, Jeff Bridges' hands are the quarter. There's a close-up of it. Whaley's all, okay, Fifty Shades girl, but first you have to sign our guest book. Uh, right, just like that, Miss You. Abzal, 
Now it's my character's turn to sign words. He picks up a pad and signs the book Martha Affleck. Some words are all chapter three, jacket sleeve for spare key card, now somehow empty. <laughs> Gosling stands up in front of me <laughs> and goes, everyone, if I may have your attention, stop the film, please. Stop the film. All right, fine, keep it rolling. Just a general reminder to you all that although I still consider you all idiots for preferring Moonlight to me singing City of Stars... Too stupid to get the wood horseman. I was a replicant. My new very late summer blockbuster motion picture, The First Man, in which I play astronaut Louis Armstrong, the first man to lose at golf on the moon, is currently out. It not only has shitloads of moonlight in it, but also features Sam Waterston and O.J. Simpson reprising their roles from the original. It's my own Look for it this January, depending on reshoots. I mean, in theaters now. <laughs> now, do you want to see? <laughs> Eventually, he sits down. Back in the movie, Ham is in his hotel room, taking his phone apart. He doesn't have to finish his boring conversation with his daughter. He snips a tent wire and goes, Sweetie, you still there? Oh, you are. Do I want to what? Uh... It's only 7 p.m., but okay, yeah, good night, Claire. Uh, now I lay me down to sleep. I thought we were both doing it. Wait, wait, I wasn't ready yet. Okay, go. I said go. Oh, wait, start over. Okay, now go. Now I lay me down to sleep. Oh, Mommy thinks it should be lie me down. <laughs> How obese did she say you're getting? What's she mean by morbid? The title card's all chapter four. The bottled water in your fridge costs twenty-eight fifty. <laughs> Eventually, Amp gives up and hangs up on his kid. <laughs> change rooms. New chapter. He finds some more wires attached to the lamps and TV set, so he takes those off, too. He sets out 20 pieces from the destroyed appliances on his bed in two rows, then gets bored and goes out to the lobby to complain that his phone and TV aren't working. Since the concierge is gone as usual, you guys miss Gosling, don't you? I can tell. <laughs> now he's watching the movie. Since the concierge, and he's watching not even his movie. Since the concierge is gone as usual, Ham somehow walks into a tunnel where he can look into all the hotel rooms through glass. <laughs> he watches Jeff Bridges pick up an axe, cackle. Looks like my dad picked the wrong week to stop sniffing glue. <laughs> 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 that's what he thinks about and starts chopping up his floor ham gets bored with this instantly and goes to the next room where he watches dakota johnson drag a tied up girl into her room and dump her in a chair ham decides this is too boring to even listen to on the speakers so he walks on till he's at the glass for the black lady's room Darlene walks up, stares through the glass at him, takes a time bomb out of her purse, starts a ticking on her shelf, and goes, Ooh, whoa, whoa, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, by the way, this isn't one-way glass. Ham screams like a girl and runs away, out into the rain, into a payphone booth, since he broke the phone in his room, dumbass. <laughs> Jiggles it till it works. He goes, hello, sir, this is FBI agent Ham. we got a problem. 
He hangs up, then decides to try fixing the phone in his room by borrowing some engine parts from people's cars to stick inside it. <laughs> some words are all chapter five. Guess I slept on the mint on my pillow. <laughs> R-E-S-T-C-E-P. <sighs> Darlene, how much time do you think my money is worth? I mean, sorry, Mr. British. Maybe you'd like me to come in there and wash your dick for you, you little shit. Sorry, sir, I'll try to sing less. Darlene blows off the rest of her recording sesh and drives to a hotel room, because those are the best places to practice singing. <laughs> Great acoustics, no one nearby to bother you. She sings for a bit. Some words are all chapter something, the room with the Fifty Shades girl in it. And also, that thing with Rebel Wilson, where she has trouble getting laid in New York. I've been watching on Netflix in five-minute increments. For a year and a half. Chapter title. Don't worry, Mary Sue. I got us out of there. Because Chris Pine's character in this is a buzzkill. So, yeah, this is my solution. Just keep tied up for the rest of your life. The sister, who's gagged and not laconic, looks at her the way I look at nothing whenever Tom tells me who got killed on Walking Dead. Uh, hey, I'm sorry to bother you. It's FBI agent John Mam. I mean, <laughs> hey, thanks. Bye. Oh, yeah. Uh, hey, uh, mm, uh, yeah, I was wondering uh, if I could just come in for a minute. They can't kill off both the hottest people in the movie. <laughs> Wait, you were the one tearing up the floorboards for the money, right? Uh, <laughs> no, not me. Sorry. Okay, can't wait to see where your storyline goes. Bye. <laughs> Dakota tries to trick Ham by bolting her door with a slender chain, but he tricks her by being large and breaking the door down and untying the sister. Then she tricks him back by having a shotgun. Ham's all, okay, look, yes, I read for Fifty Shades, but for the part of Anastasia, she shoots with a pancreas. The blast destroys the glass behind him and hits Jaden beside me in the face. He's Poor bastard. Some words are all chapter tray of scrambled eggs sitting here for two hours. <laughs> Ignore people by the toaster. I need room with the singing black lady. <laughs> Darlene yanks all her hair out by the roots and goes, What? <laughs> Hey, your singing reminded me of Fabulous Baker Boys. Ha! Want to go make the concierge watch us both drink alcohol? Ugh. <laughs> uh, you didn't sing in that. You just played piano. Um, so sure. A title card's all later in a lobby chapter. If you ask me, the John Carpenter movie Brian Austin Green should be rebooting for Halloween Starman. <laughs> I'll wait. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe my calendar's different. Ha! <laughs> this is a close-up of a quarter. Darlene takes the quarter, puts it in the jukebox. There's a close-up of the quarter spinning on the photograph table as the needle gently lowers, and it starts playing Jeremiah's song from Mandy. <laughs> <laughs> As Jeremiah's song plays, Bridges stands motionless and stares off into space. 
with the same expression that I had on my face when Dingus called Kristen Stewart our Brando. <laughs> uh, Not fake news. Uh, Darlene shudders and goes, Mandy, Jesus. Uh, there's no cultist characters in this. <laughs> Bridges sighs and makes two drinks, but he accidentally spills some eye drops into one. Beside me, Cosby rolls his eyes. Oh. Let him out on furlough. Let's see it. He's kind of mean now. He didn't know. It's just a different time, Tom, as opposed to the Donald Trump presidency, where we're really, really figured things out. A title card's all, chapter, I didn't order all this porn. I just slept on the remote. Like the mint. <laughs> Father, are you okay? It's me, Frank Whaley's character. Only thing I remember from career opportunities is that horse. <laughs> yeah, Father, I think that goes for everybody. Father, before we get into what happened to your head and this shattered bottle of expensive whiskey, I need you to hear my confession. Also, check out this tunnel. Also, check out this real Super 8 film I shot for the mob. <laughs> Bridges holds up the film squidding at the frames. Uh, that's, that's. I know, I thought Cruz and Cavill were at odds. Plus height-wise, it's like watching Terry and Fuck the Mountain. But builds up another reel. Here's the audio. There's there's a lot of a lot of zingers. Suddenly, Bridges loses interest and walks off screen. And maybe to watch the film with his hands. Whaley stares through the glass, eyes widening. Hey, Father, th that Fifty Shades chick, she's raising a shotgun this way. Hang on, let me stand more in front of it. <laughs> Whaley! <laughs> Although Bridges can't see what's actually going on in the hotel room during this part, he's all, look out, and lunges it effectually so Frank Whaley gets shot in the face even worse. Then he runs off screen again, giggling. <laughs> The coat appears through the glass and goes, Whaley. Back in the hotel room, Dakota's sister picks up the phone, punches in some numbers, and goes, Hello, Chris Pine. Out in the parking lot. Darlene raises a pistol as Bridges shambles into her passenger seat. Look, I'm not actually a priest in this. Ha! <laughs> and I'm sorry you hit me with that bottle when I tried to drug you. You tried to drug me? But only because I'm a criminal. It's okay. I have Alzheimer's. Now, I can't remember which room it was or which hotel, whether it was bank money or just a bag of leaves. But if it's your room, we'll split them. <laughs> Unless it's the money. But we'll have to do a zany, convoluted visual gag in case John Hamm's watching and listening through the glass. Or some other character. I thought it was John Hamm. <laughs> She's all, oh, Hamm's back alive during this part. <laughs> Go back to the room and Darlene sings and claps in time to Bridges' hammer blows, like that library scene in Indiana Jones in Last Crusade. It goes on for a bit. <laughs> I get why he knows the song, but not how she knows carpentry. But anyway, Ham takes a long time to get bored watching her sing. Back in the lobby, while Dakota Johnston picks glass out of the concierge's face, he's all, oh, still interested. With his last breath, Ham's all, Same! The concierge hands her the reel of film and goes, Red, my 
MacGuffin herring. Oh. There's a close-up of a quarter. Dakota's all, so wait, if you saw me kill an FBI agent and I have to kill you, why am I taking glass out of your face? By the way, the worst thing I've ever seen is catfish. It's like they catfished us. How about you, working here as a bellhop? The concierge stares off into space and goes, I've seen terrible things, horrible things. An old woman, a grown man, playing talisman, something off Orion. Um, Dakota's sister swings from the chandelier and goes, by the way, I'll call Chris Pine's character's landline. I guess the cult's a 10-minute drive from here. <laughs> Some words are all rude Chris Pine's character. <laughs> Hey, Boots, come swimming with me. See how my face blocks out the sun. You guys getting it? JK, now we're at bonfire night. Hey, man, money's a fool's god. The system's designed to just make us fight each other to earn something stupid we don't even want. Here, I'll demonstrate. Boots, you and Mildred beat the shit out of each other. Winner gets to sleep with me off screen. Go! (laughs) Coda watches disapprovingly. This isn't what she joined the Chris Pine cult for at all, man. It used to be about the music. Chris Pine appears instantly at the hotel with five or six extras and ties everybody to some chairs in the lobby and makes them all watch him play roulette. <laughs> Bridges is all, Ha! We was in hell or high waters together with Asian Joe! <laughs> See, he thinks it's Chris Pine. I think it's Chris Pine. I mean, what's the difference? Like a jellyfish of water, isn't it? Shades is all. Did Manson have a landline? Pine turns to the sister and goes, By the way, did you tell him what you did? There's a cutaway of the sister staring at some silverware. So we go back to the present. The sisters are all, ew, boy. Pine puts the sex tape filled with the money on the table, then makes Dakota pick red or black, tells the concierge of the priest which of them's who, then sets the ball rolling. Then I guess he forgets the rules and shoots 50 shades instead. The cider with his dying breath, hams all, ha Pine tells Darlene... <laughs> Pine tells Darlene that if she sings a good enough song, the order that the rest of them get shot in can be based on Kino. Pine's all, meh. Bridges is all, why you? I think Bridges tries to attack Darlene because he agrees that that wasn't one of her better efforts. But due to his Alzheimer's, he accidentally attacks Pine, while the rednecks stand around with their guns out and scratch their heads. The concierge suddenly realizes he's not tied up after all. Darlene's all, Whaley, help us! No! No, 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 no! (laughs) I can't! Kill again. Oh, how many people have you killed? That's the most important question. The number. 
some words are all maintenance closet. We find out Whaley was a sniper. Now he's all, I left all that to pursue my original dream of ignoring desk bells and filming butts. Cameras have scopes, too. So at least that part I wasn't all, what? Darlene's all, okay, forget it. He's all, ah, no, no, I got it. Okay. <laughs> he gets up and kills Pine and all the cultists. While the kid's sister cries over Chris Pine's corpse, Whaley's all, they're there, kid. There's a Zac Efron cult just down the street. <laughs> the sister, unplacated, tricks him by stabbing it with a knife, she finds, I guess, on the floor. Snipers have no answer to knives. The sister looks at Bridges and Darlene and goes, Now let's the three of us split the money and open a casete. Bridges shoots her. Hey, kids! Ha! <laughs> Some words are all six months later chapter. Bridges and Darlene open a casino together since Bridges' Alzheimer's is now cured. As Darlene leads toward a microphone to belch, a title card's all, check out at 10, wake up, call at noon. Some words tell me who found hotel accommodations for the cast during the shoot. While Tom and Diggis talk about it excitedly. As the lights come up, Gosling hovers by the exit and goes, Good news! Actually, the first man is uh, only in four hours, uh, although not at this theater. Um, but yeah, mine's a period piece also. Uh, and in my movie, you fuckwits just might learn a little something about astrology and what an orbit is. Why the Earth's made of cheese. Uh, which Greek god we named the cheese after. And how my character first met Stretch Monster. <laughs> Oh, the kids are interested in science and space. That's why they want to see Venom. So, really, what's the difference? Hello? <laughs> Fuck you, people! The end. Oh, my God. Kelly Wan, thank you. If we're not going to do First Man, I've got to do some Gosling. Anyway, oh, I can't. I loved the Gosling appearance. I'm so glad he got to see uh, Bad Times at the El Royale. Yeah, he did. Oh. <sighs> Watched that three times and said it. He hasn't even seen a first man yet. But he's heard good things. He's heard some things. I wish I'd been in the screening where he announced it. That would have uh, really shaken things up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I'll go first. I a sex I, joke too. I uh, I uh, wasn't crazy about this. I I like these kinds of uh, mystery movies and I like the shuffled narrative. Uh, Drew Goddard certainly did a lot of that in Lost. He, as a producer, has been playing with it some in a sitcom on NBC called The Good Place that does some clever stuff. So I had high hopes for this that it didn't live up to. Uh, so my over and under will be movies that play on the idea of a motel and a motel being a kind of a, a no man's land in the middle of of uh, a, a vast empty area where strangers come together. That's the weird thing about motels. Uh, and my under is a movie called Identity because I similarly. Oh, it's my two. I similarly enjoyed Identity as it was coming together, and I enjoyed watching the actors and their threads. But that's this sort of mystery, and I don't think Drew Goddard – this was the, the main sin of uh, Lost, is that this sort of mystery is ultimately over, only ever as good as its resolution. And the resolution of Identity is way, way, way more ridiculous than the resolution of this. So I would put this slightly above uh, identity. For the over, I'm actually going to bring up a, a really good motel movie, 
uh, about motels in the middle of nowhere bringing disparate characters together uh, called Sweet Virginia, which is on Netflix. It came out last year. It stars John Bernthal uh, and a, a great actor named Christopher Abbott from a movie called It Comes at Night. Uh, Rosemary DeWitt is in it and Imogen Poots. Uh, and oddly enough, it's not set in Virginia. The motel is called The Sweet Virginia, but it's set in a small town in Alaska. Uh, and I really like Sweet Virginia. I would recommend that way over and above this uh, as far as movies about motels. So, uh, Dingus, why don't you go next? What's your over and under and what did you think of Bad Times at the Royale? So do you know uh, where I identity is set? Because that's my over, actually. Uh, Nevada? Oh, it is in yeah. Nevada, yeah. Right, so the Nevada side, uh, side of the line. Yeah. Right. Uh, I prefer that. I prefer identity to this, um, partly because... James Mangold. Because, well, James Mangold and also Clea Duvall is in it. Um, I really actually liked uh, a lot about uh, identity, but I think you're probably right about the resolution. Um, although... Uh, a lot of our listeners, we had a lot of, we had like five people right in this week, uh, got weary of this at the resolution. But uh, I, I yeah. didn't care for this at all. Uh, it felt like Drew Goddard trying to do two things: um, create his little um, M Night Shyamalan universe uh, with the like mysterious government thing going on that also went on in Cabin in the Woods. Uh, but it also felt like him trying to ape some of the things that uh, Quentin Tarantino does. So, but under this, in in that vein, I would put uh, Hateful Eight, which I think is is overly indulgent and just goes on and on and on, and is just a bunch of strangers being thrown into the mix in this weird situation. Uh, but doesn't doesn't have any of the restraint that you need in that type of in that in that type of movie, I think. Uh, but it feels like Drew Goddard trying to throw weird stuff in where um, where it shouldn't be thrown in. Uh, I, I think this this movie feels like a television show to me. It feels like it could have been an episode of a television show rather than a movie. So I wasn't crazy about it. Go ahead, Kelly. Uh, you guys stole all my thunder. Here's what I wrote. I go, I wrote, this is my thesis statement. I found the solutions less compelling than the mysteries. So I pretty much verbatim what Tom said. Um, and then my over was identity. <laughs> For real. And uh, although I'd put Hateful Eight above it, too. But the, the resolution of identity is good, I think. And there's even Really? You like it. that? Okay. Well, compared to this, like, it's kind of... Um, I mean, it's a cheat too. Like, it's a bit of a oh, it's not because it, it mean you what like when you see a door open in Identity, it's not really a door opening. So that's like an unreliable narrator kind of thing. And when you're reading that, it's a little different effect than in a movie. Hmm. So it's case by case kind of thing for me. Well, I think once, I, once Identity, oh, go ahead. Sorry, and, and we'll get back to that in a minute. So, so that's your over. Uh, what would your under be? And and what did you? Uh, my under, I was hovering around California Suite, but uh, uh, there's a movie called Desired Health, The Sunset Motel, with Sherilyn Fenn. That's worse than this, and those characters are more boring. <laughs> um, but uh, but I actually kind of like. Oh, and I was thinking of Shimmer Lake, but not as an over under, but just like how that movie, the chronology shenanigans in Shimmer Lake, and so, what, it's, what's going on? Who are these people? 
like that right. would be an overall. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because I really, again, and I just talked about this on our 3 by 3 episode, uh, I really, again, want to recommend a movie called Low Life. Uh, as right. as a, an example of Shimmer and this, where it has disparate characters, there's no motel involved. Actually, there is a oh my god, there is a motel in Low Life. I forgot uh, where there's all these different characters coming together, and you don't know who they are in relation to each other. And Low Life, like Shimmer Lake, really has a gratifying payoff, and uh, it doesn't have nearly the the polish and the sheen that Shimmer Lake has because that that movie is, is just almost, yeah. it's a beautiful piece of work but Low Life is a is a first time director and I really again want to recommend it and I kept thinking of Low Life watching this hmm. and watching Drew Goddard trying to play with that basic idea which which is a thrilling way to make a story by the way is here's a character who's interesting and we're not going to tell you crucial information about the character yeah. so you will want to continue to watch to find that information out right. and he did you know they did what nine whatever seasons of lost based on that premise uh and it's effective while you're watching it same result though so you come out of it going yeah yeah because yeah, I was really with it, actually, for a while. Like, I liked when John Hamm was going behind the tunnel and you see all the rooms, and it was kind of like a play a little bit. Um, and that's when I was kind of with the movie. Like, oh, this is kind of interesting. Like, I, visually, I, like, I'm curious where this is going, and, like, the kidnapping is, like, a really good reveal. But then in the third act, it gets kind of boring and lame and long. So I, I think I my, my main problem with the third act is that Chris Hemsworth is not menacing. And yeah. drawing the movie out for 20 minutes – premised yeah. on him being menacing doesn't work i mean you're you're That's basically scary. yeah exactly he, he subvert he, he screws up the entire <clears throat> third act like the resolution Absolutely. because drew goddard wants us to think that he's scary and, and he's not um yeah he's, it, that should be john hawks i mean that should be sure that yeah should be john hawks playing that part yeah exactly from uh, martha mary martha Dadgummit, now Kelly Wand is... Are cult leaders off. ever handsome, like a really handsome cult leader like that? Well, uh, well, is kind of a freak. Taylor, like yeah, Taylor Kitsch, David Koresh, yeah. yeah. Okay, all right. And Martha, is, that, Mary, is that a good likeness? John Hawks he look is, like? is pretty handsome in Martha Marcy Mayer. Right, but Chris Hemsworth had the shirt out, like just walking around like surfer, tan. I like, think they were going for because Charles Manson isn't pretty either, and I think that's what they were right, going for. Yeah, the whole idea of him getting women to murder people, but I think they wanted a Charles Manson that looked like Jim Morrison. Like, I think, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're, right, you're, you're absolutely right. I get the idea. It's just Chris Hemsworth's just not. I don't know. He doesn't seem like what Tom said. He's just not. He doesn't have that kind of depressingness. <laughs> he seems like he's had a good, nice life when you see him. Well, he, you he's go, oh, cultist that, leader. He's got that. He's got enough charisma, though. I mean, the moment you, you remind me of the Far Cry Five cultists. A the, little mo bit. the moment you see him walking, uh, I could tell it was him. You, you know, when when you see like the way. Sorry to say that like this, but the the way his hips sway and the way he walks. From the back, I was like, oh, it's Chris Hemsworth. I didn't even know he was really? in the movie. And I was like, that's, that's his walk. I know those hips from behind. Yeah, I, I do. Thought, yeah, indeed. Slurping his lips. Mm -hmm. um, Kelly, what was I the, thought it was Chris Pine while I was watching it. That's how stupid I am. Uh, what I was get the, the it was dark. What was the Sherilyn Fenn movie you said? Desire and Hell at the Sunset Motel. It was like, uh, it was an old one. It was when it was in the 90s. Is it just like, like, hotel, like a student film hotel movie. So it's not like, a, is it a Two Moon Junction kind of movie? Because that's what I think of. When worse. A worse. Two Moon Junction. Worse. It wishes it was Two Moon Junction. Oh, wow. Wow. It's like their directors are wearing sunglasses in the movie, like ogling Sherlock Holmes by the pool. And there's like gangster talk. 
The dialogue's not that good. And the dialogue in this is okay. You don't get anything. At, there's, like, a lot of red herrings in it. Like, if it had ended, like, a Swiss watch, Agatha Christie, like, the John Hamm plot line and the and the... The film means stuff too, or something. I, I think like, ultimately, it's 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 um, when when Peter Benchley wrote the the Deep, which is about a shipwreck on top of a shipwreck, yeah. uh, and one of the shipwrecks has gold, and the other has these uh, morphine ampules. And many coincidences. Uh, but but the thing is, when Peter Benchley wrote that, he was basing it on a story in which three shipwrecks actually wrecked on each other, and that's not that implausible mm-hmm. because ships tend to sink in storms at the same rocks. I mean, that's not that implausible, but he purposefully trimmed the story down to just two shipwrecks because he was worried that the audience would find that it was too contrived. Uh, so the, the, the movie and the book, The Deep, are just about the two shipwrecks, even though the story that inspired him, and plenty of times you find shipwrecks on top of shipwrecks on top of shipwrecks. It's the nature of, of shipping and storms and whatnot. Uh, but I, I think this movie, and I, I, th- I think this is true of a lot of movies these days, isn't really concerned about uh, plausibility uh, because it, this this situation is so incredibly contrived when you sit back if you stand back and look at this on the same day in the same dying out of the way motel a robber is getting his stashed money a woman kidnapping her cult brainwashed sister is passing through and an FBI agent is showing up to get the Kennedy sex tape that Hoover uh, knows is there all three of those things happen at the same night uh, and that's just ridiculous. That's okay. That's okay if it's Why that kind it? of movie. Well, I mean, it's like a really absurd, like, uh, like insignificance. I don't like think it's, it's absurd, like though. Like, I, I think it's like a mystery where as the mystery goes on, you're supposed to think, oh, that's why this is related to that. Drew Goddard doesn't tie these together. They just all three no. happen to take place on the same play, on the same night. Yeah, yeah. Whereas a movie like Shimmer Lake or like Low Life doesn't ultimately say, oh, and by the way, these are all – these are all cool because they're just coincidences of these different things that happen to happen together. Right. Uh, they, they actually come together, and there's no reason. It's way too contrived that these three things that could each be their own movie happen to take place on the same night at the same out-of-the-way motel. I think that's just ridiculous. Uh, and that's uh, the reason. I, I don't to, think yeah, there, I, I there think can be to. any satisfying resolution to that. Like, what are you going to do? Well, are you just like, oh, it's a crazy coincidence. So go there's, ahead. Satis- there's unsatisfying things in the movie too. Like, right. how does she? Like, stuff doesn't make sense when you think about it. But like, I don't even that's in, the thing, right, right. And I don't, I don't think you could give this. Uh, my point being, I think I don't think you could give this a satisfying resolution. Hmm. Um, oh, I think contrivance is fine if the solution lives up to that. Like in a certain t- tone, like Repo Man or something. Like there's aliens in the trunk the same night. Repo Man is, is an absurd thing, and I don't. Think That's what I'm saying. I'm saying if this was an absurdist movie, right? Having a, that contrivance of three things happening in the same night is sure. a legal move, depending on where you go with it. And it, <laughs> it, it by the end it wants to go even more serious instead of even wackier. So, so. Dingus, are you okay with that, or what, what did you right, want to say about that contrivance thing? I wanted to say that that either you, I, I think you have to comment on it. I think the movie has to make a comment, and and usually I, I'm kind of uh, if uh, if a movie does that properly, then I'm fine with it. If a movie does it improperly, I'm not fine with it. But I think in this particular case, given that Miles is saying that the t- entire place is empty and half the rooms haven't been cleaned because we're not expecting anybody anyway because we've lost our license to, for gambling, um, I think you have to comment upon it, and and you have to go 
full bore on that. If, if you're going to have all these people converge on this particular motel at this particular time, and this, and they're all in in this level of extremis, <laughs> um, you you have to comment on it. You have to say, why are we all here? What the hell is going on? You have to make you have to make yeah not make light of it, but you have to you have to bring it forth because I think you're right, Tom. I think the idea of like why did we all what, I, we're not even going to say anything. We just wound, wound up here, and now we're going to try to resolve this. It doesn't make any sense. And one of them doesn't matter. Like, they don't... Well, like, and when you think... Just destroy, it's a total red herring. When you think, too, of, like, the resolution of identity, there's a reason for that. When you think of the resolutions yeah, of great... Of right. the, the great Ag, the Agatha Christie mysteries that this sort of thing is based on, there are resolutions to that. Ten Little Indians, there's the, the judge that presided over them, Murder on the Orient Express. Like, all the things, they're all there for a reason, right. and the resolution of the mystery is why they're all there, and it's not because, oh, these guys are doing A, these right. guys are doing B, these guys are doing C, and it all happened to be at the same mansion, or it all happened to be on the train. Like, I, I think that there's, this is a... I think this is just Drew Goddard doing the same thing he did in Lost and not understanding how to make or resolve a mystery because you make a mystery with an eye towards its resolution. Right. And I don't think Drew Goddard did that in Lost. I don't think he's doing it here. No, I certainly the don't. Cabin in the Woods is great. <laughs> Cabin in the Woods, and I give a lot of credit to Joss Whedon for that. Go ahead, Dingus. Sorry. Because yeah. she uh, – because um, – oh, goodness. Uh, Darlene uh, – her reason is that it's cheaper to stay on the outskirts. I mean, that's why she's there. And she, well, she's uh, the one that, right, that, that Kelly Wan mentioned, yes, she's the one that doesn't even matter. She's she's the most plausible, like, she's the, the least dramatic storyline there. She's kind of the innocent bystander. Right, uh, But the, and uh, there's no other people. It's just these people. Yeah. Uh, there's no nobody else who wound up out there at this point. No one's staying there before that, too. It's like they all show up together almost. Right. Like it looks like, oh, well, that's going to be it. And the place has never been renovated in 10 years and blah, blah, blah. I mean, there's a ton of stuff that's wrong with Whaley that. hates Priest, uh, that he wants to do the confession. She – there's a lot of stuff that doesn't make sense internally, I feel. And that, that bothers me more than the ridiculous setup. Uh, does the 60s setting matter? I don't, know I don't see how. It does. I mean, we have a listener, Brian Becker, who wrote in, and, and he said that somebody behind him in the movie theater kept saying, Kennedy, Kennedy, whenever that <laughs> – <laughs> they would do that film thing. Uh, I miss and, America. Yeah. And uh, and I'm with Brian Becker on that. I was like, is it Kennedy? Is it Kennedy? And of course, I don't know why they burn the thing at the end. I don't understand why that happened. Because there is no Kennedy sex tape that, that people know of. I mean, that's the. it's like, oh, there was one, yeah. but it burned in this. But you uh, get Inglorious Bastards it. But I think the 60s is because that way, the 60s is the last uh, decade you could have like a hard-boiled kind of character. Like the Jeff Bridges bank robber, see? Like that, so oh. it's like counterculture mixing with. Thank you, uh, those guys, the Edward G. Robinson types. I mean, the only thing I, I, I like, I, I think it, I, I don't, I, I don't think it matters ultimately to the story, but I think it does give Drew Goddard some tools that I don't think he uses very well, Cultist. namely. Uh, namely Vietnam, Charles Manson, and the idea of, of Hoover as a renegade FBI director being opposed to three cell phones too. 
Oh, very good, Kelly. Well, actually, the whole like the communications limitations. Like, it's yeah, always uh, nice to go back. That's a good back. point, actually. Because uh, yeah. that's the thing. In identity, identity <laughs> is is just pre cell phone enough that it's plausible that characters don't have cell phones and identity. Yeah. Like, it's right. right on the cusp of that. Anything made after identity. But I do think that Drew Goddard really, because he has the soundbite of Nixon talking about Vietnam and guerrilla warfare. And cease, like, I, yeah, he, when he says ceasefire uh, is a term of art, I thought that was. I thought of you because I thought you know when Tom says Tom says if if like if there's a lecture or a book brought up or something like that, you have to pay attention to it. And so the, there's this thing about ceasefire that Nixon's talking about, and I didn't get why it mattered in the movie. Because of Miles. Because of the, also, we're going to find out he's yeah. a, a Vietnam veteran. And who, Darlene's black, and it's civil rights. Oh, yeah, yeah, very good. So Kelly. Exactly. She needs the job. Yeah. Well, yeah. Her She's a singer. And her little comeuppance speech, which I actually loved her getting to do. Her yeah. comeuppance speech. To, to uh, Chris Pine, as you say. Uh, also, Kelly Watt is sort of a. I think you're right. Like a very. Hey, look at this. Is this this is the civil rights era? This is. Yeah. Where, I like her character. And I like the actress. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I loved her. Uh, but to, to Tom's really point, good. Um, Miles turning out to be this military dude. That we have a, a we have a, a longtime listener, first time writer in her, uh, named Daniel Thorot or Thoreau. Sorry, Daniel. I don't know how to say your name. Um, who said that. At first, he thought that Miles was a serial killer, and then when he found out <laughs> yeah. he was in the military, he was like, "Oh," ugh. and it was like for him. It was like yeah. that feeling of "Oh, okay." Well, then you find out instantly what he means, so it's not like a twist. You're like, "Oh, we think he's a serial killer for a while in the movie." Well, the moment like he it's says, like wait, the second the moment, he says it. Yeah. The moment he says it, I, I, I was in the same boat as Daniel because the moment he said, "She says, how many have you killed?" And he starts to say a number. I was thinking, oh, he's a serial killer. Cool. He's right going to like closet. That's where the bodies go. Then when he says 123, I was like, well, he's a pretty prolific serial killer. Yeah. And yeah. then they go to and flashback. The I was like, oh, good. right. I had the same reaction as Daniel. Like, oh, right. The the wigged out Vietnam yeah. veteran is going to snap in. He's going to like Rambo. And he Rambo's the that last and scene the sister there. kills him. That's satisfying. <laughs> so uh, I would – I don't know that I'm – I, I would hate to actually recommend the movie Pacific Rim Uprising to anyone. Uh, oh, wow. See, that set's coming for a long time. <laughs> it's, it's, not any, it's not any good, and they, they kill uh, poor Rinko Kikuchi off way too early, and that's Jesus, just Jesus, Tom. Uh, I would almost I would almost recommend Pacific Rim Uprising because there's a young actress in it who is absolutely arresting and she is completely like she is the reason to see that and she's a revelation it was her first movie and she basically runs circles around everyone else in this movie the John Boyega Scott Eastwood the CG uh, <laughs> she's she's just really good and it's the young woman who played uh, uh, Rose what was her name. The, the young cultist girl, the, the actress's name is Kaylee yes. Spiney, and she was amazing in Pacific Rim Uprising. Unfortunately, they don't give her much to do here, but uh, uh, I hope they'll be seeing more of her because I, I watched her in that movie and thought this is the beginning of a, of a very talented young lady's career. So I hope we get to see more of her doing more stuff. It wastes other than, a lot of people. It really does. It really does. Uh, I also – and this is a thing. I, uh, I'm – I – I don't know Mad Men. I haven't watched the show, but uh, I'm a, I'm in a super. I have so much goodwill for John Hamm right now. I, I hated him in Tag, and that made me hate John Hamm. I made me hate everyone who's in it. Uh, Tag is terrible, but 
I saw a Brad Anderson directed movie with a script by Tony Gilroy called Beirut. And John Hamm is so good in Beirut, oh. and it is so perfectly written to the type of character he plays, which I presume he also does in Mad Men. Um, so I, I really liked John Hamm's appearance in this, and I hated seeing him get shot. Uh, and I wanted to see yeah. more of his duplicity, being the aw shuck salesman and the determined FBI agent. I wanted to see more of that. Uh, so I really liked John Hamm. Was bummed that he got killed. I really, Him versus Chris Pine too would have been an interesting match. You're right, Kelly. Well, and that might have actually breathed a little life into the scene. Yeah. What's the FBI agent? Who's gonna be? Because then that does make Chris Pine's character more fearsome. She's like, oh, he takes that FBI agent. He can. He, more of a he fears nothing. Yeah. There's more of a foil foil to it. Yeah. Than, yeah that's the, where you want to go. Yeah. Like, what do you get out of? Well, Chris Markinson. It seems arbitrary. A lot of arbitrary. Chris Markinson, another of our writer enters, uh, really liked him too, and he actually liked that the character was trying to do the right thing. Um, so getting him shot was tough on Chris. And so he's. I think Chris Markinson is with you, Tom. Because yeah, that's a cool detail too. When he he's told on the phone or a tele or whatever, he's told do not interfere, and then he immediately goes to interfere. Yeah. That made me like the character. Yeah. And it goes tits up. Yeah, silly. So he's a bad I, FBI agent. I got is that weary of him. I mean, I like John Hamm a lot. I like him on podcasts and whatnot. He's got a great sense of humor. Bridesmaids. Um, no longer my number three. I loved him in Bridesmaids, <laughs> but I, but that- like it, seeing him in the town, he just seems to I don't know cellophane oh for who was he in the town? I so don't remember that he movie. He was the guy who was tracking them down. Wasn't he the That's, bad guy? Ew. No, no, no. He was the like an FBI agent. Oh, oh, okay. A okay. Police, a police dude. He was the police dude who was figuring out the crime. Right. Um, but he just uh, he doesn't register on the big screen the way he does on the small screen. I think, and that's just that's, uh, that's just a thing. Keep a root, and then then tell me that because I normally would have agreed with you after tag dingus, but I like uh, him in most things. I thought he was talented. I like him. I just don't. <laughs> I mean, so, uh, I thought he's good at this it's too. It's not his fault. Some people have movie weight. Some people have TV weight. I don't think I, he always has movie weight. Well, yeah, but yeah, you're, like, you're complaining he gets killed off too soon. So you want him to have more movie weight. He reminds me in a way of George Clooney, Dingus, in that I uh, think a lot of people thought George Clooney was just TV weight. In his first few movies, it kind of felt the same way. But then you see him do something. And I'm sure there was something before Oh Brother Where Art Thou, but at a certain point you see him really putting himself out there and taking risks and letting him, and not just sitting on his charm. I, I, I think I, I think Beirut for me did that with with John Hamm. Okay, uh, I really recommend that movie. Uh, He's typecast. Yeah, well, he's definitely typecast, Kelly yeah. Wan. And uh, watching this him is the in, proof. in Tag, where he's pl- trying to play against that type and just be a, a goofy, funny dude, Tag is just insufferable watching that poor guy in that, watching everybody in that. Um, Oof. Uh, I really thought – so, Kelly Wan, you thought you were watching Chris Pine. Because I haven't seen the Fifty Shades movie, uh, <laughs> either of them, oh. like, unlike you guys, I thought the whole time I was watching uh, Zoe Kazan. Really? <laughs> I really was uh, like, yeah, I think that's Zoe Kazan. I had no idea Dakota Johnson. Uh, yeah. uh, I, I keep track of Dakota. She's good. <laughs> I like her teeth. Some of her teeth that are really attractive. Uh, uh, so yeah, heard me. thought exactly what I thought, that um, the guy playing Miles was Tom Holland. <laughs> so disappointed in both of you. She... She and uh, who the guy in Fifty Shades, they hated each other, and they hated the movie. So you got to give her credit for that. <laughs> that makes me like her a lot. Okay, what? He also thought Chris uh, Chris Hemsworth was Army Hammer. And we have at least two, yeah. two writer-inners who thought of 
Free Fire and and this, oh. only, but Free Fire, of course, in in much, yeah. much higher regard. Wait, why why were they thinking of Free Fire? Uh, I don't know. They just said this. It's like a bunch of people in a space. The contained setting, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but they, but but both both same movies, uh, both era. these people fought, yeah. and Chris Markinson is one of them. I'll have to figure out who the other one was, who uh, who thought that the uh, that he was uh, Army Hammer. This could use more free fire, like more gunplay. I, <laughs> I love well, the dialogue. <laughs> That's my vote. That, you say oh, that, Kelly Wan, but it's it's not that kind of movie. Like free fire is very I, much I know, I know. This is an Agatha Christie mystery, and Agatha Christie mysteries aren't known for their for their shooting. Yeah, but what if it just changes genre midway or something? I well, then, oh, I, no, it's a shootout movie. I mean, uh, go watch Hateful Eight again. <laughs> I like Hateful Eight. I really, I'm a Hateful Eight apologist. I'm okay. kind of, I think I'm the only one. My, I stand by Hateful Eight. So right. I love Goggins a lot. I like Daniel Thurot, or Thoreau, sorry, Daniel, again, Dan, I'm sorry to mispronounce your name uh, twice. Uh, he says uh, it wasn't as misanthropic or tedious as the Hateful Eight. I'll grant you those adjectives. But for sure. a more enjoyable example of the baddies in a remote location genre, I'd rather rewatch Free Fire, which I thought was a great, <laughs> great comment. Right, right. We'd he, all rather watch. He came Street around Fire. to it uh, at the Charles Manson Billy Lee um, when Billy Lee seizes control, and and he really. It's loved, a twist. I'm loved, all, all right. This is this movie now. He loved yeah. Darlene's exhaustion. Yeah, sick of it. Yeah. I Bridges uh, is good. He's not in it that much. Like. I don't know. Bridges, during that scene where he's confessing to Darlene that he can't remember, he's got a monologue where I'm watching it thinking, man, Jeff Bridges has still really got it. He's really good. Uh, When when he just – you give him some dialogue. You give him a character. I mean he can express – he's very expressive with his face still, Uh, sort of this confusion that he brought to that part. Um, Yeah, it it made me realize – I really think that there's a director named Scott Cooper who got a lot of acclaim for a movie called Crazy Heart, which I think is – not very good, and I think Scott Cooper's ensuing movies are also terrible. But it just made me realize, well, yeah, this is why people love Crazy Heart. Is Jeff Bridges is just still a fascinating guy to watch, and uh, he's still got it. Yeah. Yeah, and Markinson thought he was good too because he he didn't do a a, a, t- a totally weird voice or a funny voice, and also he had a an emotional connection to the the, the dementia or Alzheimer's thing because he's got a family member who went through that. So he really liked both of those things about it. And I, I kind of liked him. I liked Jeff Bridges in this as well. I liked mostly the way he connected with Darlene. Uh, I, yeah. I liked the way those characters got together. Um, uh, I liked that. I guess it's their that. arc. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, uh, I loved her. I thought she was amazing. Uh, she has to do a lot. It's a pretty heavy. She has to do a ton, and just to carry the movie. I don't. I kept thinking, where do I know you from? And I don't know her from anything. She was just amazing to me. And I like that feeling. I like because you you're not sure where it's gonna go. That's what I haven't but seen before. When it wound up, it did make me think of. Uh, and I wish the movie had been more clear and had stuck with the characters more consistently but it, it reminded me of of the way jackie brown worked mm. where uh pam greer and uh, is it fred ward or frederick forrest fred frederick forrest right who's uh, it, who's robert um robert forrester right yeah good uh yeah uh where, where their characters uh have a connection that's not romantic uh and it doesn't yeah. have to be romantic but it can still be super 
they could still be very connected and feel very strongly about each other without it being a romance. And w- one is an older white man and one is a younger black woman. Uh, and, and I just love that dynamic in Jackie Brown. And as you're watching Jackie Brown, you know that they're the people you're supposed to care about, that they're the people that are your emotional anchors as it's moving through this this rogues gallery of different characters. One of the issues with Bad Times at El Royale, the El Royale, is you you don't necessarily know that these characters are who you're supposed to care about until it's over. You don't know if one of them is going to turn around and be, oh, I'm a criminal mastermind or oh, I'm a spy or like. Throughout Jackie Brown, you know how to feel about these characters. And so when the movie leaves you with this cool moment between them, it's payoff. Here, it's kind of almost a twist. Like, okay, these are the guys who are going to survive who are the good guys. Alzheimer's guy's fine now. (laughs) So they set that up. And that's the resolution for the Alzheimer's. Well, I think they also try to like set up that um, that Miles is going to get shot instead of the girl. Like, I think there's a lot of yeah, like you said, Kelly wanted like he dies anyway. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, the way you describe that, Todd, reminds me of the way I felt at the end of uh, Jesus. Is it, it was Mission Impossible. I think it's Rogue Nation when um, Rebecca Ferguson and Tom Cruise just hug and they don't have a kiss at the end. It's that it's this feeling of like, yeah, these characters have a relationship, but it doesn't have to be. We're going to get all smoochy smoochy at the end. Till the next movie. Well, the, the, the <laughs> next movie happens, but in this movie, it's just. Uh, we have uh, we have this connection to each other, and that's that. You have a work relationship and that's positive. You're moving on, and I'm moving on, and here we go. I thought Jackie Brown, Barbara Forster, was sort of into her a little bit, but it was like he had it under control. He yeah, no, he was just her entirely, he was but he would definitely would have slept right. with her. No, but he was cool about it, and he wasn't going to – yeah, he was a no, decent no, yeah. man. And, right, right. Yeah. But, but he uh, seems like, kind of like, hurt, betray, like, oh, but when you, you, when you see When you see Jeff Bridges spiking her drink, you also – you're like, oh, this is a bad guy. Yeah. Like, you, you don't know yeah. what to make of this character so that when it turns out that, yeah, it is his character arc, that's, that's kind of a trick. Or that's yeah. – and I, I – so I think that it harms – it just it has an impact as far as the rest of the movie, as far as who I can and can't care about. So it's kind of weird that it's only at the end that I realize, oh, yeah, these characters are cool. I like them. They're ending up together. Uh, I kind of wished I'd had some clue of that earlier in the movie rather than suspecting them of, of an end. That seems a dumb thing for him to do. Like if he's just waiting to get that room – and he's going to split it with whoever's in it. I, I got to get it. Like, why does he need it that night? And why he's is not he in any carrying, hurry? Why is he carrying knockout drops in the first place? Yeah, like, in case I get, don't get the room. <laughs> the stuff. Right, exactly. But Anybody who has in his jacket a way to drug a woman's or a way to drug a drink, yeah. like nobody yeah. carries that around. And right. a guy going to dig up his hidden money does not carry that around. So the moment yeah. he starts drugging her drink, I was like, oh, is he? Like a, a raper, or like, like I didn't know what that meant, but it sure didn't mean he was up and he was above board. Uh, but when it turns out, yeah, he was above board. He forgot which room. I, and I when, just felt cheated. When she attacks him, that's like a it's exactly. like a professional. Like she yeah, hurt. Like she, she didn't see what he was doing. She crosses the room, takes her shoes off, crosses the room, and whacks him in the head with a bottle. Based on what? Like she didn't hear him There's do the no drug. reason for that. Yeah. I think that we're supposed to. She's an assassin, is the implication. We're supposed to think that, he's, that she knew or saw he was doing it. Well, you have, and that, it wasn't. That's not the right angle then right. to shoot that. At. It really isn't. But I mean, you have that weird scene with her in the studio where the where the producers like, I guess, I guess implying if you sleep with me, then you'll you'll get ahead in this business, so to speak. Right. Um, so she's like suspicious so and wary. She's primed to think that. 
uh, everyone's out to – and she's right. <laughs> well, she is right, but – My coincidence. Might, but, but, you know, and Markinson says this too. We don't see this coming. I like that development, but it doesn't – I don't think it's justified. It's a cheat. Uh, yeah. cheat. Yeah. Well, um, it's a it's – a, it, yeah, because you're going, oh, well, that has to mean this or this, and it doesn't. Speaking of cheats, why – what did I miss with the very ending where Darlene says, it's okay, you don't have to kill anyone anymore? She was giving up on life and feel, going like, I don't want to make him suffer anymore. She was being compassionate to him. Why? Because she was going to get – her compassion was going to get other people killed. Well, and she didn't think it was – she thought it didn't matter. Like, they're all going to die anyway. Like well, then not, why did Miles snap out of it? She's throwing the game. That was super clumsy to me. That she the flashback him, happens. That he <laughs> says, I don't want to kill anyone, and she says, okay, you don't have to kill anyone. And then he changes his mind for no reason that I think is apparent to the audience uh, and just randomly decides, okay, well, let me kill everybody this one I last think time. the implication is that she let him make that choice instead of commanding him <laughs> to. I think that Therefore, I think you're on the right track, Kelly. I think that there is sort of a psychological – if you let somebody off the hook for something that they're going to have to do anyway. It's a very loaded uh, – So wait a minute. She, she does to him like <laughs> Sterling K. Brown does to Larry the, the child Boyd Holbrook in The Predator with the she, reverse reverse psychology. Yeah. She does to him what Chris sort of. Pine does to Spock in Star Trek <laughs> and how he gets the captaincy. And then afterwards Spock's like, hey, man, good play. You made me freak out back there. You're, you're way better. You're manipulative. I'm going to serve under you. <laughs> you're awesome. I love how you really fucked with me and, and exploited uh, emotional bullshit. By the way, good work. Uh, Kelly, You'll make a great captain. Kelly, Chris Alien. Webb. Chris Webb wants you to know that he thanks you for making people see the shitty music movie of this week which one this one oh this one yeah <laughs> wait i oh i see what was the other one I don't oh know. i see what he said no I, he said stars board i get it now yeah see that's probably how i have to, i sound to people i have to think about it backwards to make or to make sense like a chronology that's the thing hey or uh what's this movie that time the royale keeps making me look for puzzles and everything but, you know, yeah, no one wants to see Stars Born except Tom, I believe, right? Dingus so, does. Dingus wants Dingus, to see you it. Dingus, you want to see it? Oh, yeah, I definitely want to see it. Nah, that's not. But he's wait, relieved. My... He's relieved, uh, although he says that uh, the singing, he prefers the singing in, uh, Chris Webb says the singing in Anomalisa, Mulholland Drive, and A Star is Born is better. The singing in Anomalisa is great. What was the second one? And he played. <laughs> Hateful's oh. got great Yeah. Uh do you guys know did you notice cuz this is when this is me getting bored and, and watching things. Did you notice the two instances of CG in this movie? At least two. There might have been others, but there were two that were conspicuous. Gosling and <laughs> Nope, Gosling was really there. The two the instances of CG in this movie. Yeah. Where I'm watching the movie and thinking, "Yep, CG. Yep, CG." Bridges is well, clearly the spinning of the quarter. Really? No. I don't know. What are you talking about? Uh, the so sandwich. The, uh, the, the, the fire at the end, I think, was practical because this was clearly a set, and it was one of those fires where there's just a discrete sources of fire peppered around the set. Uh, so I don't think that was CG. But uh, and, th- and this is an example of what we can do with CG. I don't think it was gratuitous, and it's kind of good that, that you guys don't notice this, that it doesn't come to mind. But all the scenes of 
people it's, in rooms. Well, no, no. I think all the scenes of people no. in in rooms with mirrors, where the cameras moving around behind them. Uh, so uh, either yeah. the cameras erased or the mirror image is CG. And we didn't used to be able to do oh, that. Like, like yeah. that used to be an issue: camera placement and reflective surfaces, like mirrors. And these days, we don't even think of that anymore. When the camera is an invisible point yeah, in space, we've yeah. accepted that. Uh, the the other instance is when you see Miles getting hit with the shotgun. Normally, uh, maybe they would have a stuntman fling him himself backwards or the actor might fall down but that kind of violent hurling of a body because of the impact of a gun uh is cg and it looks it looks it's like seeing people hit with cars cg is used to this horrific effect of impact on people uh and the shotgun blast where miles gets hit in the corridor that was also cg Yeah, i can see that in my head now you're right about that yeah Um, so kelly wand you didn't notice think about the other one uh, and What's the movie that you uh, said that they erased? Uh, is it a Gaspar Noe movie where they erased all the other stuff? Yeah, in Irreversible, he said he wasn't – because Irreversible, he, he had a couple of cameras just moving around, and oh. he told them to not even worry about getting the cameras in frame because they would just CG it all out of there. Yeah. Okay, which, all right. Yeah, which something is, troubles me about it. I can't put my finger on it in an really, old, you funny, don't, daddy way. You well – well, because the only thing I don't like about it, and I'm I'm just nitpicking, uh-huh. is I always kind of admired the artistry that went into the mirror shots yeah. in the old days, and they had to just like figure it out, and it looked like they would do it, like you go, hey, where's the, how do you not see the camera in that shot? Well, you know, we just talked- because they found this tiny little angle. Yeah, we talked about drones, and I used to admire crane shots. Like a crane shot is yeah. no longer a big deal because people just fling the camera up on a cheap drone. Uh, but yeah, I, I sort of miss a crane shot being a big deal, which it's not anymore. Uh, Kelly Wand, it's just a sign of the times. We're dinosaurs. No, I know, I know. I'm not <laughs> saying we should go back to coal. I'm just saying those <laughs> movies, like when I look at those movies now, they'll actually, like that part of it will stick out to me even more. Right. right. And also too, it sticks out to me more when I watch this and you, well, okay, I didn't, it didn't this time, but it did to you. But usually that, I think when you mentioned it, it, it I did uh, remember it. And then it's like, then I'm thinking, oh, they CG'd out the camera. So it takes me out of the story in a way. Right. Whereas well, right. before I would just go, oh, you know, there's a camera there. So <laughs> she's not looking in that direction of the mirror. Kelly Wan, did you see the last uh, Strangers movie? Uh, what? Strangers. The strangers uh, Pray at Night. You know, the Strangers. Oh, the Strangers. Time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no. Okay, because it, it has a kind of a cool finale with a. a with a, a truck chase uh and the kid who played miles is really good in it uh and does it a, show their faces of course not. A very... it's a strangers movie no it wouldn't do that uh, but uh pardon no nope. uh let's see you get christina hendrix and an actor named martin henderson christina they have like almost the same last name uh christina hendrix yeah she is definitely in it so um, and that pullman has been in movies with two people from Mad Men. Very good, Dingus. Right. You know your TV. Yeah, <laughs> well done. And I've never even seen Men. <laughs> I watched a couple, and it seemed good, and then I didn't keep going. But he'd see, he seemed good in it. I want to hear Tom's review of Stars Born in like 30 seconds. <laughs> well, I haven't seen it. If we're not going to do it. As, oh, I thought you saw it. And you were No, like, I want to see it. No, I want to see it, too, yeah. Yeah, uh, you guys are weird, but <laughs> I've th- I've been thinking for a week. Oh, Tom sure really likes Stars Board, ha ha! And now I find out. It's right. Just, no, it's just I'm just stars- excited about the future. No, I'm Stars Born curious, Kelly Wand. Mm, I like that. 
But did you see the other ones? No. You know, it says a lot about the movie we're reviewing this whenever we go. We just start talking about other movies. <laughs> like half an hour. And don't even care. And the listeners don't care either. Like, yeah, Star's born. Great. But see you either. Cool, guys. Thanks. Bye. So we have a, a listener, Ryan Becker, who uh, – and uh, you know Chris Markinson says that he thought Nick Offerman was criminally uh, un, unused. Uh, I I barely recognized him, but it, but by the end of that scene, I was like, oh, that's Nick Offerman, of course. Right. And um. And I thought he was going to be in the movie. Yeah, I did too. Yeah. Ryan Becker Psych. wants to know who shot yeah. him. So it was the third uh, member of their their posse, of their 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 robbery, uh, their armored car robbery. Jeff Bridges, Nick oh, Offerman, okay. and then the dude who's panicking the uh, the ki- the kid uh, do the the robbery, and uh, Jeff Bridges. The, the kid kills the Nick Offerman, yeah, and Jeff Bridges runs off with him. How do you know that? Uh, Jeff Bridges' uh, flashback, and he, he even says as much too. Like, oh, he does. And then he, yeah, yeah. So oh. no one kills that guy though. No one kills the killer. That guy just Correct. disappears. Okay. Yeah, right. yeah, but without the money, so haha. Ha. Right. But then they knew. But wouldn't the cops have shown up at that hotel room and found the body or the blood, or would the maid have found blood? Well, I mean, that's oh that's, wait. What I'm assuming, Kelly Wan, is that the it's FBI cleaned that up. Is it the FBI? Because yeah. the FBI was using it to make Kennedy sex tapes or whatever. Uh, and maybe it actually predated that. Um, Did it? Because then they would add it on tape or film. Well, well, they weren't. No, no, they, they were only filming. The camera was at the end of the corridor, and it would only be brought out for setups. It wasn't right. like it was in every room. But he it wasn't. Seen it. it wasn't like the movie Vacancy, Kelly Wand, and that's the premise where <laughs> I haven't seen that movie. There's a couple of them actually. Those are terrible, uh, and that's the premise where there's super creepy people taping all of the rooms all the time. Yeah. Uh, it's a they, weird Kelly Wand, film was film is expensive. Yeah. Is it? Is that the takeaway? <laughs> and CG. That's the thing. It's a period piece, and when they CG out the camera, I'm like, wait, CG doesn't exist yet. I should see the <laughs> film camera in that mirror. What year is this? Uh, for me, this Dakota Johnson. That whole like the management thing really did. I mean, I don't know. When's the last time you guys saw the Cabin in the Woods? Um, there's this that few that, years, but I watched it like three times. Well, the management was the where? FBI, though. What'd you say? The management was the FBI. I know, but it still has this feeling of this other layer of something strange going on. Has he taken the bugs out? He's just trying to do. And it feels like Drew Goddard is trying to make his own little M. Night Shyamalan universe uh, with, like, this other layer of the management wants this, the management wants Oh, you think this is a Cabin in the Woods franchise? This is a Cloverfield-esque. It it feels – The Ted Cloverfield laid on – The way that he was saying, Uh, I'm filming it for the management. I I, I don't know. There's no supernatural – yeah, so Dingus, I, I do think I get what you're saying, but I, and I would love that because I think that would be cool. But I do think it's just simply playing. It's, it's one of his '60s elements, playing on the idea of J. Edgar Hoover as a, as a rogue FBI director who is is setting up files because they kept files on people back then, on right, civil rights right. leaders, on on presidents. Uh, the FBI, like under J. Edgar Hoover, was almost like a renegade agency, and I think that's what he's playing it with. Is the government spying on subjects through glass? Well, you have rather that. than like a shadowy organization, like that's kind of a reveal that you're like, oh, it's the FBI and there's a Kennedy sex tape. You have that. You have a similar sort of feel in even in Godfather Two with the with the senator and the uh, who who gets caught in the hotel room or the motel room. 
Um, so there's a similar thing going on there, but because it was ju- because of the way that Miles was talking about it, and he's kind of a creepy kid, and he's talking about this. The, the management tells me to do this. The management tells me to do that. It felt like this other organism. It felt like this other. Lady. I thought it was the mobs hotel, and that's why Ham was there, and it was an FBI versus. No, Hoover. Hoover wanted the Kennedy sex tape. I mean, I think that's uh, where right. that, that well, was. See, I, I'm dumb. Maybe I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure it's that. that I thought somehow, management was mafia. No, presumably we find out. Presumably J. Edgar Hoover finds out that there was a Kennedy sex tape that they never got because Miles even said. Kennedy was nice, and he does. They never say Kennedy's name, and I don't know why. But Miles even said he was nice to me, so I kept the tape. So presumably, oh, at some point, there. J. Edgar Hoover finds out, "Hey, we didn't get all the tapes. There's an important one. Uh, John Hamm, your assignment is go there and find the tape." Um, and and so I think, and because John Hamm's plot line is sort of cut short early on, that doesn't really play out other than Jeff Bridges stumbling across it. Um, Which they do nothing with. Like he, why well, they burn they have... it? I, I mean, it, I, I, I think know. It's... So that's what the FBI wanted, isn't it? Well, I think it's kind of like a. Or, oh, uh, well, I. Th- so I, first of all, I think it's kind of quaint to think back at a time when, yeah. oh, a president had extramarital sex. Like that, that would be a big deal. Like it's, it's a quaint MacGuffin these days to think of. Yeah. But, but yeah, Kelly Wand, I don't know if I don't think the FBI would want to destroy it so much. That's as That's why to I have thought it. it was the mob filming him because if the FBI filmed him, they would have the. They well, would, Kennedy was they wouldn't dead. Need they, wouldn't, they wouldn't use it the way we use it today. In in like we're going to release it, it's it would be used as blackmail. Blackmail. Well, but it, Kennedy's dead, so it would be yeah, like it would I guess be a, like his legacy or who oh, knows. Yeah, yeah. Um, RFK, so, which makes me wonder why you bother. Unless, I don't well, maybe they they killed Kennedy, and that's the implication, and we just that's a given in the movie's mythos, and they made the film. Go and run with this, Kelly Wand. Yeah, I'm curious where this is going. I can't wait for the resolution. It's like a Drew yeah. Goddard script. Carry yes. on. Let's do this. I'm stuck on whether they made the film or they – because he was going to fuck her anyway. Like is, he's not no, in on just, it. Why is he going to the hotel? Maybe right, it was set up. he was with the dude. Dingus, what? that would be – that would actually be provocative. Yeah. This idea that, yeah, Kennedy was bisexual or just It was gay. Joe DiMaggio. Is, I, that would be a cool resolution. Like, oh, the secret is – Kennedy was gay, and there's this huge conspiracy to cover it up because that would have been that it would have been and Arthur Miller. That would have been great. Yeah. 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 Kelly Wand, I like your resolution. Why didn't you guys pitch this to Drew Goddard? It was him and Khrushchev. <laughs> now you've gotten absurd, Kelly Wand. No, I, guess, I, I guess we can't pitch it to. Maybe we're just catchers. Uh, Star is born. We have a writer in her name, Christopher Schmidt, who uh, thought Dakota Johnson and Kaylee. How do you say her name, Spiney? Well, I, because it's a, I don't know that diphthong a in Latin is pronounced yeah. like an i, so I think it's Spiney. Spiney, it but, might be, yeah. But yeah. He, he didn't think they were so good. He really liked this movie, though, Christopher. Well, Schmidt. They, that's the thing, Kaylee. I like Dakota. They give her nothing to do in this, but but Chris Schmidt is that who said that dingus? Christopher Schmidt, yeah. Chris, both thankless roles. For you, see Pacific Rim Uprising and then see it. I recommend it, Christopher. Because the cultist sisters in it. All right, all right, all right. Yeah. Easy. <laughs> I trust you. He was also disappointed at how uh, Chris Hemsworth was used, but thought he was excellent in it. However, the Billy Lee stuff drags for him. And, and a yeah. lot of. Uh, 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 
a bunch uh-huh. of our writer editors were very much like, you know, once we get to the him monologuing and playing roulette, it kind of the movie kind of. Well, it's not. It's just dark and not zany. It just doesn't. It's just a, a guy. Does it track? It's just him walking around with his abs and making speeches, shooting people for the half of an hour. Yeah. I feel like we're in the room with him. Like we feel tied to the chair, watching something unpleasant. <laughs> <laughs> That's the problem with that scene. But Christopher Schmidt uh, still gives it four out of five stars. He liked it. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I like, it's like the a, first it's half like hour. A, Four out of five stars is like a B minus on Cinema Score, which it got. So he's the <laughs> barometer. Is that the word? He's the <laughs> bell. The he's the bellwether, Kelly. Bellwether. Bell I see. Nicely done, Tom. Tom said another exciting word earlier. I forgot. <laughs> Be cool. Kelly, Wad, you must have loved how this ended with redemption. Ugh. <laughs> uh, well, the only thing I liked that it was those two characters. Like, I liked that they were the survivors. Right. Well, they yeah. At a certain point, I, although I guess they could have had Miles survive, but no, he's got to die for his sins. I guess. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I didn't like. I was annoyed by that. I was bummed Miles got because that was a lame death. Come on, the kid's gonna knife you. You know it. I know it. What sniper? Wake up. Yeah. Well, they, Where's they, your paranoia now? They certainly <laughs> set it up that she's handy with a knife. Yeah. No sniping. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. You got to put those coldest kids down, man. You cannot <laughs> wait. Uh, does Drew Goddard? I mean, you guys. I I don't have any lost television series. Uh, Trump voters. Uh, does he like two way mirrors in that? Because he does two way mirrors in Cabin in the Woods and in this. Right, and governments. Well, uh, uh, good play. Lost is. Mm, there's some what is lost, lost. Uh, but uh good place does have a, a whole bunch of this um this idea of a, a reality being engineered for people while other people watch uh and i don't know i don't he's a producer on that i don't know how much writing he has but there are definitely elements of drew goddard in in the good place um in lost it, how come the others and I forgot the name of the other, dharma initiative uh <laughs> Kelly, what whatever, fighting? whatever yeah. question you're asking, there is no good answer for it. I, I what was really, Benjamin Linus? I really, really <laughs> liked the John Hamm stuff where he was in that voyeur thing. I, I thought that Kelly's takedown of it was hilarious, but I really liked that sequence of John Hamm. Yeah, you know, pacing off the reveals. Steps. He paced off the step the steps to figure out how how long this could be and how big these rooms are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he figured out that that doesn't really work out and then he and then he found the room and he went in and and then he watched all of them and I loved that. I really loved that sequence. Um, but it is reminiscent. He listened to her saying. Well, that's a good that's a good part of the, of the direction of that sequence yeah. too is when is having that music over the different scenes, when he right. turns it off, when he yeah. has it on, what song she's singing. Uh, how it's a I was set so up with the movie on. during that scene. Sure, was, yeah. yeah, me I too. Was like, oh, well, you, really Kelly, Wan, you can you can be with any mystery. I could tell you that something really secret and weird and mysterious, and you'd totally be into it. But uh, yeah. once I answer it and it's dumb, then you're like, oh, really? <laughs> That's all you got? So he wrote that and went to sleep, and then went. I'll figure that out in the morning, and then the morning's <laughs> like, all right, cultist kidnap. <laughs> I can't believe you're defending the resolution of identity. Oh my god, seriously? Hmm. <laughs> It's what you said. It's like it does everything you just saw is all connected. 
as opposed to but in a ridiculous yeah. way you know it's like every <sighs> no but then she get but then there's that twist at the end where it's oh, like which is oh, so which is no so way. dumb because the kid looks so goofy. They even have the stupid yeah, thing true. of the cool guys don't look at the explosions where the kid is walking away from an exploding car. Like, oh, my God, that's so dumb. Yeah, I, but I mean, I think, it's gardening. So I think there's a reason that if I were to told you who wrote Identity, you would have no idea who that is. <laughs> because he's I don't even know. Oh, really? Well, it seemed like that kind of script. Like, like a once and done? Like you, I'm going to make it. Well, I, I think adaptation makes fun of it. You know, the little bit where uh, uh, Charlie Kaufman's script about, like, where the serial killer is also the detective and the victim. I, I think that that might be directly <laughs> making fun of identity. I could be wrong. Was I like Shutter Island, that was, too. That was I'm a called sucker the for three. that. Yes, yes, Dinkus, yes. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about this bit of writing, of dialogue in this movie? It wasn't sexual, but it wasn't not sexual either. Good writing. I would say bad writing. All right. Do you know what that Kelly was? You know what that was about? Um, they hear the context to decide. I know. I, I remember hearing the line and thinking, "What? Uh, it can't be about the about Chris Hemsworth." I don't remember what was that about, Dingus. It was. I saw a man lay with a wolf once. Oh right. Oh, yeah, oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that yeah, whole yeah. wolf fucking monologue. What? It wasn't sexual. <laughs> yeah. But, Tom, it wasn't non-sexual either. <laughs> And he's saying that to Dakota Johnson of all the characters. <laughs> Here goes first base. <laughs> Maybe he thought, well, she shot me, so that's her thing too. <laughs> She's yeah. seen some shit. All shit. Like that's his way of foreplay, flirtation. Like, oh, you were raped by cultists. Dude, check this out. Like I saw. Drew Goddard couldn't decide whether it was going to be sexual or not, so he just said both. You know, maybe somebody will decide. I think it's on. bad writing because it's a better, like, let your imagination make it as horrifying as it needs to. Or well, the, like, I mean, I, I, it's good writing if you say it wasn't sexual because obviously, like, it's the guy's just wanting to dominate a wolf. But if you say it wasn't sexual, but it was sexual, like when when you make it like, like a cop out. Yeah, that's not a paradox. I mean, is the guy fucking the wolf because he's into wolves, or is he fucking the wolf because he wants to establish dominance over the wolf? Or is Whaley just thought Goddard wants to have his cake and eat it too in that situation? I don't get it. I think he just wants to spoon with a wolf. <laughs> I don't think he's having sex with him. He's just like, yeah. He wants us to argue about it. I thought he so... had sex with the wolf. I think he just wanted yeah. to spoon with him. No, but doesn't he have sex with the wolf, Dingus? He says it wasn't sexual, but it was not sexual either. I don't know what that that's, means. That's how sex is with me. <laughs> okay. Did I say that too loud? Sorry, German neighbors. Kelly Wan, there's a documentary about you starring cute little Emily Browning called Sleeping Beauty. I suggest you see it as far as being sexual or not sexual. So there you go. There's my tip for you, Kelly Wand. So my mom's Maleficent. Uh, Kelly Wan, have you watched uh, – well, we'll talk about it in the movies later. All right. So, jerk. Dingus. Uh, yeah. My listener subjects. So Brian Becker wants to know: Is it is it better to have a villain chase the heroes at the end rather than just monologue at the end? And Daniel Thoreau says he came around <laughs> when um, Billy Lee seizes control. So, is it better to have the hero, the villain chase the heroes, or just have him just stand around and talk to them? I don't know how much chasing you could do in this setting. Like, I guess they would hide. Uh, I guess you could have chasing. 
boring. I mean, considering that you've got Hem- Chris Hemsworth, the monologuing definitely doesn't work because he's not threatening. So Drew Goddard probably should have gone with more chasing. That would be my. Uh, that right. would be. Well, or more roulette, like Deer Hunter roulette. <laughs> it didn't really go anywhere. Yeah. Because killing Dakota Johnson, I don't know. None of the characters seem to die meaningfully. They all kind of die randomly. I would think you would like that, Kelly Wand. And then there's a casino opening at the end with two characters. <laughs> yeah, redemption. There's too much redemption. And like redemption and noir are not a good fit. So if right. you're gonna noir me, now suddenly then do, you're, do like identity. Yeah. You already lost. My mom's not gonna see this anyway. So you, it's dumb for you to go with the mom ending. Well, no one's gonna see it. So that's kind of how that worked. We out. saw it. Did you like? Gosling the, says. Did you like the girl fight? Because Chris Markinson did. I don't under, that, that that was the worst sermon in the world. Okay, you guys fight and I'm gonna uh, steal your cigarettes while you fight each other, and that's the point screen. of the sermon. And then the other kid's not into it. That didn't make any sense. That's when I was realizing things aren't making sense in this movie. Man, I'm, like, yeah, I'm glad I was. What the not camera's a, showing me is not. Yeah, that cult sucked. Things a lame cult. <laughs> that cult sucked. And Dakota Johnson was in it with her sister. So wait, would, she got disillusioned by the cult. Would like not join. Point, the cult was cool. We need yeah. to start yelping cults. Yeah, <laughs> one star. All right, uh, so Dingus, did, we had basically one out of five people writing in uh, ultimately liked it, right? Uh, Chris Markinson says he can't tell if he liked it. That's right. how I felt for a bit. And then I went, I guess that means, it's like if you're not sure whether a girl likes you, she doesn't. Uh, Brian like Becker, if you don't know if you like the movie, yeah. didn't. Brian Becker did <laughs> like it. He thought it was well-directed, acted, it was paced, music, the writing was fine. So Brian Becker did like it. Um, Chris Webb uh, said he was in a theater with five other people and two of them walked out. <laughs> How far in? Oh. I want more details. I'm already intrigued. But, uh, but that always excites me. He, when he said it was awkward from four. the start and he got hostile toward it toward the end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that he felt hostile. That yeah. He used that word because it reminded me of uh, the fact that uh, What's his name? Eli Roth directed a children's movie that my son had to go see. Um, yeah. Christopher. Well, it's like Chris Pine is, uh, or Drew Goddard is the Chris Pine character. He's like got a gun to our heads going, you're going to finish watching this. Now let's see you get shot. And Christopher That's Schmidt really liked it. So uh, I think more people liked it than not. But I like parts of it. I didn't. I but was, they only B yeah, minus like it, it. It felt like it. It really did feel like a TV movie to me. Or it's the movie. it's a genre where the like Tom said the the ending matters more than even some movies. Like some like a lot of comedies have kind of stupid endings. You get well, I laughed a lot, so B minus. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we saw it. We did it. Yay! Bad Times the Royale. Podcast. All right. Well, let's see a, a a Halloween movie next week. What should we see, Kelly Wand? Oh, good lord. What? You people are skipping me? Come on, science fiction. What? It, Halloween, the moon. What's wrong with you people? What do you want from me? Damien Chazelle, your favorite movie, Tom. You went in disguise the 15th time you watched it. Does Neil Armstrong, did he have much of his career as a singer? Because if Ryan Gosling is going to play a singer, I'll go. City of moods. Why don't you lie on me? <laughs> 
Uh, so we'll see Halloween next week. If you see Halloween, send us an email. Let us know what you think. And you know you're going to see it because it's, you know, it's a season appropriate. Let us know by uh, Sunday, October 21st. Uh, midnight Pacific, what you thought of Halloween, send that to 3x3 at quarter to three dot com. And Kelly Wan, tell them what three by three they should be thinking about for another week or two. Three best taunts and movies. So the trick part of trick or treat, if you will. Uh, well, no, not really at all. Forget that analogy. Just uh, insults. And I uh, get those two same email. Wait a minute. Insults is a different thing. That Tom said insults earlier. Right. I was like, all right. I get, well, then they seem, are they different? A taunt and an insult? All right, it was taunts, but it, then I thought that maybe that sounded too video game specific. A taunt is, well, it's your topic, so you, you figure it out. Yeah, well, I want to see what people interpret the word taunt as, well as an insult is kind of more restrictive, maybe. Can we do like three a, Like a taunt, taunt can be a nonverbal. Like three but. favorite tauntauns, like we said before. You know, if you want to be that guy, Dingus, I'm going I've been that guy. We've all been that guy. Sometimes it's all you got. Yep. What did Brocky say? It's not how often you get up, it's how often you fall down. So. And get those to us by October 28th at midnight Pacific. We'll see you guys next week to talk about Halloween. I am Tom Chick. I've been here with Christian Malinsky. It's Christian Murawski. And with Kelly Wand. I want to see a season of The Witch sequel. Welcome to the Hotel California. I prefer that we be more capable and prepared than lucky. Observation, reflection, faith, and determination. In this way, we may navigate the path as it unfolds before us. All right, and we have what eight more recharge cycles to go before we get to Oregai Six. Is that a question, yes, sir? Yes, Walter, that's a question. That is correct. City of Covenants, why don't you alien me?